Hi everybody, I'm Jeff Suckendorf, CEO of UTDs. I don't even know my name, my company anymore. It's changed. We did <laughs> what, that five times. Is the name we changed? Yeah, it's UTD Scuba Diving now, not Unified Team Diving anymore. Well, it's Unified Team Diving or UTD Scuba or UTD Diving. Diving. You can have an official name. It's UTD Scuba Diving. Okay. Hey everybody, welcome back to the UTD Scuba Diving podcast. Jeff here. This is a short addendum to the car cast I did last week on quitting. I realized there was one piece of this that I feel like I left out. And that is, when is it okay to quit? So if you are anything like me with a mindset of never quit, never give up, go until you're just twisted into a ball of mental mush, this might be the car cast for you because I want to talk about permission to quit, when it's okay to quit, when quitting is the right thing to do. And it's really an interesting conundrum because you keep thinking, well, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. And the whole podcast last time on quitting was about don't quit, never quit, never give up, figure out a way to keep going, never quit. But what if quitting is the best thing? What if stopping something is the right thing to do? So first of all, there's a stigma about the word quit. Quitting has, to me, you know, this negative stigma. It's like you gave up, you're not good enough, you'll never be a success, blah, blah, blah. But what if quitting was a positive thing? So I have a couple stories about this, and I think they're all uh, applicable. Now, my goal is not to get you to quit scuba diving or quit riding a bike, or quit any of that other stuff. My goal here is to give you something to chew on about when is it time to say when. If you go back to the Annie Duke book on quit, she has a whole chapter on don't quit while you're ahead, quit while you're losing. And that is something that I really, really take to heart. The first story I have on this is me and my decades-long relationship with learning to speak Spanish. My wife grew up in Argentina, is natively fluent in Spanish. You know, we live in San Diego. There's lots of opportunities to use it. We've traveled together in Spain. We've traveled together in Mexico. And, you know, she is naturally conversant in Spanish. And UTD has a huge community in Spain. And it's important, I think, for me to learn Spanish. So I, I am not for some reason naturally gifted in languages. I have struggled with this my whole life. I moved to Switzerland for a while in my early 30s to go to French school, and that worked sort of, but it never became a natural thing to me. I've just always been able to fall back on English, and I think my English is adequate for, for what I have to do, especially in the US and English-speaking countries. So I have tried everything to learn Spanish. I have done online courses, I've done online video courses, I've done CDs back when there were CDs, I probably did audio cassettes back when there were audio cassettes. I have done everything to do this. It's hard to speak Spanish in my home with my wife because my level of the language is so low that we can't have more than a conversation about, uh, you know, uh, is dinner ready? No, 
maybe later. That's kind of the extent of it. We can't have a realistic conversation in Spanish. So the last round of this I did was a few years ago where, of course, I spent some money and I bought an online program and I studied, studied, you know, tried to commit a half hour a day and blah, blah, blah. And it just got frustrating. And then I started looking at, well, how badly do I want this? How badly do I need this? And how much brain power am I utilizing to get this versus the benefit, either actual benefit or perceived benefit. And it was just eating so much bandwidth every day and it became such a chore to actually sit down and study that one day I just woke up and I said, you know, I'm not going to do this. This is not productive for my life, for my mental health, even for my physical health. It was just becoming such a struggle that I just quit. It's like, okay, I'm not going to study Spanish 30 minutes a day for the rest of my life with such limited progress. The benefit didn't meet the, the level of angst that I was having each day when I sat down to try to do this. And of course, each day turned into every other day, which turned into twice a week. And you can just read the writing on the wall at that point. So the day I quit, it was like this blanket came off, this weight just came off me. And it was such a relief that it opened up so much bandwidth for other stuff that I wanted to do that I, I wasn't doing. You know, more work on UTD, more cooking, more, you know, little bits and pieces of things I could get done in the house. And it just opened up not a ton of physical time, but a ton of mental time, which allowed me to, to really concentrate on other things. The relief of quitting that was amazing. So I'm not going to encourage anybody to quit scuba diving. That kind of goes against our whole business model. But what I am going to do is say, look at the things in your life that you feel like you have forced yourself into and make a decision on the, the reward or the benefit versus the amount of bandwidth it's taking you to accomplish this goal and make that decision and say, okay, yes, the benefit is worth it. Yes, the goal is worth it. Or no, it's not worth it, even though it would be a good thing for me. Now, for me to be fluent in Spanish would be a great thing. You know, it would help me the UTD in Spain. It would help me traveling, you know, around the world. It would help me in Mexico, you know, and I live, you know, 30 miles, 40 kilometers from Mexico. But I decided not to do it. Now, someday, maybe, you know, in retirement, I will go someplace and live in a Spanish-speaking country where there is limited English available and, and actually learn the language. But from a business standpoint, from a personal standpoint, it was a wonderful thing to quit. It just didn't make sense. And I feel like I missed this part of it when I was talking about quitting in, in the previous episode that... I, you know, I was so focused on don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, that I lost sight for a minute of, well, when is it okay? When is it a good thing? If you are a joyful recreational diver and you're starting to feel some outside pressure to, with friends, with your community to start diving deeper, 
130 feet, 39 meters, 150 feet, 48 meters, 45 meters, and you're feeling pressured to go into a tech course and you start it and it's not for you, then you have to evaluate when is it okay to quit? When is it okay to say when? When is it okay to walk away? One of the things we did in UTD is we created this course called O2 Cleanup. And this is a way for recreational divers not to add decompression to their program, but to add an O2 bottle to clean up after stressful dives like 100 feet, 30 meters for 30 minutes or 20 minutes on air. These are tough dives on your body because they load your slow tissues like crazy. So we give you the option of opening up an oxygen window at 20 feet, six meters for 10 minutes. And it gives you the ability to do these dives in a safer way. And it used to be if you wanted to do that, if you wanted to clean up on oxygen after a recreational dive, you had to take a tech course and you had to go into a decompression obligation and go through all of that. So now we figured out a way that, well, for people who got into tech diving just so they could use an O2 bottle and clean up on a recreational dive, we made a path for them to avoid that. Now you can be a recreational diver, you can take our Rec 2, our Rec 3 class, you can add the O2 bottle, and Bob's your uncle. It's a really, really cool thing. So in some ways, this gave our reluctant tech students a way to quit. And I love that. Tech diving is not for everybody. Some people get in and find out it's not for them, but they want some of the benefits, some of the limited benefits. So that's one thing. The other thing about quitting that's interesting is on a tiny level, a little microscopic level within this course of a program. I woke up yesterday and I just felt really tired. Like for some reason, I just woke up tired. I had a pretty hard workout on my calendar, on the bike, and I was just trashed. And I got thinking that that workout, and I am a, a crazy person about not missing workouts. I do not miss workouts. You know, I am so compliant that almost to a fault. But yesterday it was like, I just looked at this and I thought if I go out on my bike for an hour and a half and push high tempo, low threshold for the sake of this particular workout, all it's going to do is make me more tired than I am now and make it harder to recover, and it's gonna be unproductive. So yesterday, I quit training for 24 hours. And I took a nap, and I got my work done, and I took the dogs for a walk, and I had a super peaceful, quiet day. And then I got up this morning, went to the gym, I'll get back on the bike today. I sent that note to my coach about I am taking an unplanned day off because I'm trashed and he was like, good, you know, do an easy recovery ride tomorrow. Let me know how you feel. This was my decision, but I love the fact that I have a coach who honors the way I feel also on days and I don't make a habit of this. You know, I, I do this maybe once every three months. I miss a workout like this, but it's a version of quitting, but it's quitting for the sake of mental health. In this case, it was half mental health and half physical health because I really believe I could have done the workout, but mentally I was cooked. So quitting yesterday for 24 hours made restarting today that much more powerful. Super cool. So I think it's important to look at quitting on every single level 
when you're hearing from anybody, including me, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. I think it's cool that we can look at this and say, well, maybe there's a time and a place. So when you look at this, look at it first from a mental health perspective. What can you do to protect your, your bandwidth for everything else in your life? To make sure you have enough time for family, to make sure you have enough time for work, to have, make sure you have enough time for diving, to make sure you have enough time for fitness. And maybe think about spinning off the things that are not productive, that you're doing out of a sense of obligation to somebody else, that you're doing because you know external pressure is, is causing you to keep going at something that you don't like doing or don't want to do, and take a little permission to quit. If you have questions about this, talk to somebody, your coach, a counselor, a family member, a friend, us, me and Ben at UTD, and we will help you with the idea of when is it okay to quit and when are you just being selfish, almost mentally selfish. There's a balance in there. And as I said in the, the previous podcast, try to get a copy of Quit by Annie Duke. It's one of the most interesting books I think I ever read, and hopefully it'll do the same for you. So there we go. A little bit of an addendum to the last car cast on quitting. I hope this helps clarify it. I hope this gives you a little permission to live a more sensible life around the concept of quitting. And if you have any questions, as always, shoot me an email, jeff at utdscubadiving.com or hit us on the contact form on the website, utdscubadiving.com. And we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Just Thanks, everybody. Inside. Hell is going outside. Down the street.